It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Hi, me mateys. It's Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with me, Chucky G, and the lovely Karen Frazier. Good evening, Karen. Hello. That was like a combination. It started out pirate, but then mm-hmm. it kind of went to like Johnny Depp with his British accent and mm-hmm. then wound up a little Popeye. Thank you. I didn't do any Popeye. That would be Popeye. Okay. There was no Popeye in there. So it's more it was like, like I am a pirate. I am a pirate. It, it started I, out like, but then it went into Johnny Depp with his British accent. Well, yeah, I was trying to, you know, kind of smooth it in there because I didn't want to get like too crazy, you know. Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure like I, I care if that. I'm crazy or not. Who cares? I am crazy, and I love it. So this evening, come is on down to Crazy Chucks. Come on down to Crazy Chucks here. You can get and ghosts for free. Ghosts, ghosts, ghosts. ghosts. <laughs> now who's the crazy one, huh? I don't know. So anyways, we have a lovely guest that are going to be on a pre-record this evening. Not alive, not alive, but a pre-record. No, no, they are alive. But well, they are alive, but they're not live right now. Live. Yes. Was it, and it's Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi from The Dead Files, of course. So if you don't know what The Dead Files is, uh, you've been in a closet, okay? They're on the Travel Channel. <laughs> super, super awesome. I mean, I love that show, man. It's crazy. I like, I like, uh, I like the the show how they the balance the two though they go back and forth and at the end it kind of all comes together that's kind of sometimes it's kind of freaky. I it's mean, kind of how my life is really, yeah. What like the show? It goes back and forth where sometimes I'm Amy and sometimes I'm Steve and I switch back and forth between the two of them personality wise. Does your husband remove like photos from the the house first before he does that stuff? He does. Yes, we okay, have. Just... We currently have all of the photos, <laughs> personal photos, paintings, and knickknacks covered with blankets in our house. Oh my lord, that is crazy! How long has this show been on now? Is it like nine seasons or ten seasons? Uh, it's no, nine. I think it's nine seasons. I could be wrong, but I think it's nine seasons. It should be on for a hundred seasons. I'm just saying. Well, we do talk about that in the interview a little bit, and it's. Uh, it sounds like it's kind of up in the air. They haven't heard on next season yet. Yeah, I want to. I want to hear this interview because I was kind of bummed because I couldn't be there to do it because you know I had to work and make money to pay my stupid bills. We told you to call in sick. I couldn't. There's nobody there. We have like no people at the store. Just like you know, oh, all right. I'm saying, Chuck, is that people make choices. Oh, whoa. Hang on. I got to get the stick out of my ass right now because it just got jammed in there really far. People make to- I, I don't think I would be jamming a stick in your ass. Thank you. Maybe a knife in your back, but a stick in your ass. Oh, yeah. That makes it better. Thanks. Thanks for cleaning it up and making me feel so much better now. Usually I'm trying to get people to get the sticks out of their asses. Oh, my God. So yeah, uh, but no, I, I I really couldn't see because I'm a I'm a ten to six guy. I'm the middleman. I'm the guy who I'm the glue of the store. Okay, and when I'm not there, yeah, things I'm just saying things start to fall apart. So I understand. I'm the glue of my household. I am also actually the company that I work for. I am the glue as well. Oh, okay, it's true. Yeah. No, I, I believe you. There's only one person in the company, and that would be me. Moi. So what? if I if I'm sick, the company's not doing anything. You just you just like a Miss Piggy. What? Oh, Miss Kermit. 
Kermita, Kermita, Frog. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think I have Miss Piggy in my repertoire. There, I think you do. Now I'll do Kermit. Kermit the Frog here. See, I could do oh, Kermit, Kermit too. I can't. I can do. Um, <laughs> I can do. I can do that Eric Cartman's mom. That's about I do it. it. I want to hear it. Do it. Do it right now. Well, first you have to say Kitty's a dildo. Kitty's like a Cartman. Dildo. No, like Cartman. Kitty's, uh, uh, oh, Kitty's okay. a dildo. Then I know a naughty Kitty Kitty who's going to be sleeping with mommy tonight. <laughs> There you go, folks. We're not going to do anything except for just, you know, people's voices for the whole show. There you go. Well, I don't have any others. I'm terrible at impressions. I have more. I can do like that, and I can do like the Monty Python men talking like women. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, I love that show. I love the Lumberjack song. That was my favorite one. There you go, folks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have uh, no news tonight, but I do have uh, the other. Share with you roll it. My producer's a little. little it's little time little. for the enlightened edge, where we discuss all things metaphysical. Okay, I found this interesting because it was on Epoch Times by Miss Tara Mac Isaac. Um, it was actually recent too. Um, and it's like just broken down into like different little paragraphs. So I figured I'll explain what it is and I'll just go through each one and maybe we can just uh, discuss a little bit about, uh, what it is. Is that okay? All right, good. All right. So basically, I was telling Cheryl, philosophers have wondered for ages how mind and matter relate to each other and modern physics is chiming in on the debate. Here's a look at a few theories about what or in what way our thoughts physically exist, which I found I found this to be pretty interesting. Our thoughts all physically exist. That's what affirmations and by the way, can I tell you something really fast? Sure. Go right ahead. They're coming out with a new chicken soup for the soul about affirmations and visualizations. And guess who's got a piece in it? That's right. Would that be you? Yeah. Oh, what's, yeah. What's got two thumbs and is in another one? This guy. <laughs> you can't see it, folks, but she's just pointing herself with her thumbs, getting all proud about it. People know that joke. What's got mm-hmm. two thumbs and I know. What's got two okay. thumbs and hates broccoli? <laughs> so, yeah, I thought this stuff was kind of cool. I thought it was interesting. Um, uh, the first one was, it's, they call it news fear related to the internet, which I thought was kind of weird. Uh, Telehar de Chardin. A Jesuit priest and paleontologist wrote of a conceptual noon sphere in the first half of the 20th century. He predicted that at a future stage of humanity's development, a membrane containing our collective thoughts and experiences would envelop the world. In the phenomena of man, he wrote, it's this not like some great body which is being born with its limbs, its nervous system, its perceptive organs, its memory, the body, in fact, of the great living thing which we have come to fulfill the ambitions aroused in the reflective being by the newly required consciousness. Many have made a connection between this and the Internet. Could the Internet be considered a realm in which our collective consciousness exists? Well, I know Facebook it does, so I'm just saying. Um, I, yes, yes, kind okay. of. I mean, yeah, because, um, well, as soon as you have a thought, it becomes mm-hmm. part of the collective consciousness. So mm-hmm. it's just maybe more a more physical or tangible manifestation of that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know way back in 2012 when the world was ending, you know, um, I interviewed this guy and he was the, the WebBot project. Have you ever heard of the WebBot project? 
Yes, yes, I have. Okay, well, basically, they data mine the collective consciousness of the Internet, and they're able to predict the stock markets. That's pretty cool. And he was, because of this, they were doing this data mining with a certain algorithm that they had created, and he was absolutely certain the world was going to end in 2012 because of the the keywords and the collective consciousness that was gathering on the Internet. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I think so. I don't think it is the collective consciousness, but I think it's a uh, tangible manifestation of it. Okay. That's a good answer. Okay. Whoa. Yeah, um, I have no idea. That's okay. Um, this one's a thoughts. He, just he probably farted and is barking at it. <laughs> this one is thoughts exist in other physical dimensions. Bernard Carr, professor of mathematics and astronomy at Queen Mary University of London, says our consciousness interacts with other dimensions. Albert Einstein stated that there are at least four dimensions. The fourth dimension is time or space-time, since Einstein said space and time cannot be separated. Carr reasons that our physical sensors. Sensors only show us a three-dimensional universe, though there are actually at least four dimensions. What exists in the higher dimensions are entities we cannot touch with our physical sensors. He says that such entities must still have a type of space in which to exist. The only non-physical entities in the universe of which we have an experience are mental ones, and the existence of paranormal phenomena suggests that mental entities have to exist in some sort of space, Carr wrote. So that's kind of like we we all kind of talk about that, right? Of different dimensions. Yeah. And- yeah. So I actually wrote about this um, in one of the first articles I ever wrote for Paranormal Underground. So it would probably have been a, back like 2008 or something. And okay. I wrote about um, it was called Paranormal on the on a Planck scale, and it talked about all of the different ways that quantum physics may play a role in what we perceive as paranormal. Okay. And I talked about. Um, folded dimensions and and it's been theorized that there are up to i can't remember the exact number but i think it's like 11 folded dimensions that we can't perceive and the way i described it was um if you're i'm so sorry about the dogs i don't know if there are mormons at the front door or what oh tanner came downstairs that's oh okay anyway um and so i the way i talked about it was that i said that if you were like a little um stick figure on a paper you would be mm-hmm. a two-dimensional being mm-hmm. and so if all you could perceive was height and width right right and a three-dimensional being like us started talking to them how would you perceive us what would we look like would we just be a voice coming from nowhere would we you know so um that was kind of how i described it and so if mm-hmm. we only perceive three or four dimensions then other dimensions to us we don't have we lack the ability i mean to to be able to explain them from our point of reference right. am i just rambling no no that made no that made a lot of sense actually that made a ton of sense now the the next one i had was do our thoughts transcend time so dean radin phd has done studies to show our thoughts may have an effect on physical physical reality but it may not be in the presence or future as we expect it is possible that our thoughts in the future affect our past reality he says yes radin is a chief scientist at the institute of nodic 
Sciences and a nonprofit organization followed, founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar yep. Mitchell and dedicated to consciousness, consciousness research. Raiden is yes. also a junction facility in the Department of Physiological at the Sonoma State University, and he has held appointments at Princeton University and such other places. He has tested the ability of human intention to affect physical reality using a random number generator, which is RNG. He is not the only scientist who has used an RNG to test mind-matter interaction, but he is unique in his focus on the ability of future intentions to affect the past. Most RNG tests focus on forward-in-time standard cause-effect model. A person has an intention and is expected to affect the future results or number generated. Raiden opened his experiment to the idea that a future intention may affect past results and found the observed result may be better modeled as a process running backwards in time from a future target rather That's than true. as a more, yeah, more complex process. Uh, some forms of apparent uh, mind-matter interaction, what they call MMI, may involve processes that are more consistent with retro-casual pulls. That's kind of a big one for me. From the future, then with casual pushes from Causal. the present. Okay. Causal. So, all right. Sorry. So what do you what, do? You, you, yeah, you like Yeah, I actually have. I've, I've read his research. I actually read the study to which you're referring. Okay. Um, and I've read similar. He's not the only one who's done research like that, but his is really the most well-known and, and, and probably the most definitive. And so I look at it this way. Uh, time is not real. Everything happens right now. Right. We've talked about this before. Yes, yes, we have. And so if you think about um, like all of time being a bunch of, you know, those spindles that they have in offices where you put the memos on them. They stick yes. The, mm -hmm. Okay, so picture a whole bunch of memos on the, um, the spindle. Mm -hmm. And all of those memos are happening at the same time. Or even better, a DVD, like a DVD game. All of the mm -hmm. possibilities exist in the game at the same time. But you have the perception that you're moving through the game when really you're not. That game exists. It's all there, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. And so if that's the case, then of course you can send things back through time just as easily as you can send them forward. Mm -hmm. However, if you send them back through time, then your memory and perception changes because that was always your experience all along mm -hmm. well see here my, the only the, the the part i have a confusion with on this whole idea is to say they're all on top of each other all happening at the same time why aren't we seeing all this like massive craziness going on versus because we well uh, but that's part of what psychics and psychic mediums do i believe mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um because we are limited to one moment in perspective because that's the limitation that we've put on ourselves when we agree to become human beings and exist in three-dimensional space-time. Okay. All right, so we kind of limit ourselves, so that gives us the, the separation is what we're talking it, about. It allows us to have experiences because really what we are is everything all at once, but mm -hmm. if we are everything all at once, then we can never appreciate what that everything is. So, um, As you said. We can't have that experience of happiness mm -hmm. if all we ever are is happiness. So it's there, we, we enter into duality mm -hmm. so that we can experience things and understand them. That way, when we go back to the all, we now have an experiential point of view of that, where if we're always just everything, yeah. then we don't, have it, we don't have that experiential point of view. In, we don't have an appreciation for it in the same way. Right. All right. And, and that's, and the last one I have is, is, is vast realm 
between particles. All right, Stanford oh, University. yeah, lots okay, of empty so, space. Yeah. yeah, Stanford University professor, I can't even say his name, Emeritus William A. Tiller, I hope I did that right, hypothesizes that our thoughts have a physical effect on new level of substance, which appears to function in the physical vacuum, the empty space between the fundamentally electric particles that make up our normal electric atom and molecules really well. He says he has been able to measure the invisible substance, but only when it interacts with the substances we can conventionally measure. This interaction seems to occur when spurred by human intention, suggests our thoughts physically exist in this realm. I thought that was kind of... I, I, try to, I was trying to understand that. I, 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 I have to be honest with you, I don't really get that too much. Maybe do you, I mean, do you understand where you could put it maybe in the layman's terms for me? About the, the empty yeah. space, what part, yeah. what part yes. don't you understand? That there's well, a lot of empty space? Well, yeah, I mean, what do you mean empty space? There's huge what? space between particles. They're held together by weak and strong forces. Okay. Um, oh, we're talking like, mo- okay, molecules. Molecules are okay. okay. not right. even that, even um, like quarks and leptons and little tiny yes. things. Right. Um, so there's vast spaces between those, and it's the force fields that hold them together and make them appear to be solid. Yeah, yeah, oh, yes, and we've talked about I that, believe, like a table, and yeah, okay. Yeah, I believe that if Jesus truly walked on water, that was how he did it, was because he oh. understood the reality of matter, and that's okay. how you can reconfigure matter and things like that. That's what, you know, is mm-hmm. is because if you understand that, then you can break things apart. And, of course, we, we clearly can't do that in the macro universe. You know, right. I, can't, I can't break an atom apart without creating... Um, you know, like radiation and stuff. Right. So, well, so, I, I found it interesting that all these guys are all really smart dudes. You know, they all have their own opinion on, yep. uh, you know, varied opinions really on what what's going on as far as the paranormal world, really. But it's interesting to see that. That's why I like when I, when I, when I, yeah. make that statement that science and the paranormal, it's all one. Most big of that thing. is in that article that I wrote about, for Paranormal Underground, it was like August of 2008 or something like that. Um, yeah, it's it's fascinating. And then there's another one. Um, there's a principle called spooky action at a distance. Well, that's what Einstein called it. Um, okay. Uh, where entanglement, where if you separate any time two particles have ever been connected, mm-hmm. if you separate them by vast time and distance... If you switch mm-hmm. the spin on one, the other will automatically switch too, even though they're apart because they were once, they once interacted. And you think by now, with with the thoughts, especially the one where they where you're talking like everything is all here at the same time, mm-hmm. why by now don't we have a way to just break through that barrier, that veil, that whatever you want to call it? You know what I mean? To be able to just go to that. To, to well, we're not. Like, we're just not. We're not there. We're not there scientifically. And actually, we do have tools. We have a tool called meditation. Um, right. Astral projection, uh, dreams. Yeah, our minds. I, I, I believe that. I believe that those no, our souls. I oh, believe souls. that those things happen um, during our lives, but they're so fleeting. I mean, I've had fleeting moments where all of a sudden I think, oh, and I get it, and I experience everything all at once. But it's so quick that it's gone before I can catch it. Yeah, it's like a, it's just like a flash, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and in that second, it, and then when it's over, I think, oh my god, I knew something there, but I can't get it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so yeah, that's what I had. That's what I had. I I, I found that stuff kind of interesting. Cheryl, so I I, do you feel enlightened? Are you enlightened, Cheryl? Did I do a good job? 
Yeah, yeah, you did a good job, although it kind of is making me, my head hurt just a little bit. <laughs> well, I like never promised you head yeah. Would you like us to go back to voices and Monty Python and stuff instead? More, more, more pirates. More pirates. More pi- hey, mateys, we'll go back Knights. to the pirates. Yeah. We should talk like cartoon characters for like the whole show. Like I, can I don't. Cart- all, I, all I can do is cart- Cartman's mom. I don't have any. Hey, Kirby. No, I can't. See, I can't do Miss Piggy. <laughs> all right, we do this. That's my Kirby. This is Kirby Frog for Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G. See? Just hey, like Miss Piggy. See, I don't have a Miss Piggy. That's not bad. You can do hey, yeah, there you that go. That was oh. close. <laughs> <laughs> the French is it the French? The Swedish. Chef? I think he's the Swedish, Swedish chef. chef. Yeah. Sorry, Swedish. I just I just jumped over to a <laughs> a different thing altogether. Sorry, be like the I can be like the Southern chef. How's it going down there, down south here with the sheriffs? We just make random voices. I think that's what we should do for the whole show. I yeah. could. You know, uh-huh. I know. I, could talk I can entertain myself for hours. Could you do Shaggy? Because I could do Scooby Doo. You could go. Could you say like Zoinks? Zoinks? Like, Zoinks? I can't do Shaggy too, but I can do. See? I, I don't sound. No, that sounds more like ra- Astro. Rastro. What do you do? Right, right, right. There you go. There's a Scooby laugh for you. Okay. That's pretty good. Huh? Yeah, do you think? Yeah, sure. Oh, my God. Give it to me, sister. I said, sure. <laughs> Hey, don't yell at me. <laughs> so yes, I'm I'm I You're am so really, uh, needy. Isn't he I, meaty, Cheryl? God. Did you say meaty? <laughs> meaty. Yes, very meaty. No comment. Look like those guns. No comment. That's the there, sister. Oh, Chuck's going to the gun show. <laughs> I'm going to the gun show, Bob. You can't see it, baby. Yeah, he was very proud of it. We were we were measuring guns to each other. It was pretty cool. You know, I feel sorry for people who tuned in all excited to listen to the interview with Steve and Amy, and this is what they get. Oh, you know what? If they don't love us, then <laughs> that's all I got to say to that. <laughs> right there. That's all I got to say. And that's very professional. It's a professional sound. I'm sorry. It was. I had, I had to do it. I'm sorry. But yes, it's, it's probably going to be a really good interview. You guys already know about it. I don't. So I'm sure it'll be awesome. Yeah, we're going to talk to you throughout the whole interview. interview so you don't get to listen to it. Yeah, I know. That's okay. I can always listen to it on iTunes when they replay it. That's right. Because hey. you can listen to any of our shows. Any so of them. This is, this is a, for you have all tuned in on a fortuitous night because not only did you get to listen to Chuck's Popeye <laughs> and uh, you get to listen to an interview with Steve and Amy, but we are taking two weeks off after this one. And so you're going to miss us so much. So, so much that it's yeah, good that uh, you're listening to us now. And here's the thing. If you miss us so, so much, you can always go to paranormalunderground.net. And um, I do believe that there are on-demand versions of the show. So you can listen to us every single day. That's every right. Day, you know, every you know, day. Because otherwise, you're going to come on Thursday, go to that time slot and go, oh, my God, they're not there. Oh, my God. And it, it, we, don't, we don't want that happening. We want happiness. So there you go. Happy, happy, joy, joy. You know what? Let's just do the interview, shall we? Let's go to a break. And when we come back, we are going to be listening to a pre-recorded interview, but new to you, new to everybody who's listening, that Cheryl and I did last week with um, Steve and Amy from The Dead Files. So stick around. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on the Hazy Radio Network. We'll be right back. 
everyone. It's me, Chucky G, and I'm here with Karen Fraser. We'd like to invite you to join us on Hazy Radio every Thursday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific, 10 to midnight Eastern for Paranormal Underground Radio. In the Dark with Karen Fraser and Chucky G. We'll be exploring the paranormal and featuring the latest in spiritual and metaphysical topics, as well as interviewing intriguing guests. So please join us every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern for two hours of exciting paranormal radio on hazyradio.com. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier from Paranormal Underground Radio. I'm here to tell you about my latest book, Pioneer Spirits, Investigating the Haunted Lewis County Historical Museum. In the book, I got together with Patty Valdez, South Sound Paranormal Research. SSPR has actually interacted with the ghosts at the Lewis County Historical Museum for more than seven years, and the experiences that I've had there as a volunteer and paranormal investigator have been significant. So I'm excited to share the story of the ghosts there with you. I hope you'll pick up a copy of Pioneer Spirits so that you too can know what it's like to encounter one of Washington State's most active haunts. This book is available on Amazon.com or you can visit my website at authorkarenfraser.com. Where do you want to go to lunch? I'm having a stroke. Did you hear what I said? I'm having a stroke. Why aren't you answering me? I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. Look for fast. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911 immediately. Know the sudden signs. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Hey everybody, this is Rick Hale, host of Common Sense Paranormal. Listen to me on hazyradio.com, Thursday nights, 8 to 9 p.m. Central. Hi, this is Amy Allen from The Dead Bottles, and you're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Hazy Radio Network, its affiliates, or sponsors. All shows are independently owned and broadcast for entertainment purposes only. We are back. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. We're now going to roll into something very exciting, folks. Recently, our producers, Cheryl Knight and Karen Fraser had a chance to talk to Amy and Steve from The Dead Files. It is a show that is on the Travel Channel. Um, it's Amy is Alan is a medium, and uh, Steve is a retired NYPD homicide detective. They combine their unique and often conflicting skills to solve unexplained paranormal phenomena in haunted locations across America. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to talk to them, but they did. So we're going right, to roll into their interview, and let's just see what they had to say. The, the first I want to ask you guys is if there's anything that you would like to tell our listeners to entice them into the upcoming, the upcoming remainder of your season. Amy? Huh? <laughs> oh, me? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Usually Steve does a lot of the talking, so, um, <laughs> gosh, I would say, you know, obviously the the remainders uh, were very, very difficult, um, I think, on everybody, and um, I, I don't have good memories or fond memories of them um, because they made me horribly ill, uh, and the... 
there's one case in particular in Pittsburgh that was extremely strange, and I was very concerned for the family there. Um, and it was a very different kind of a case um, because actual, you know, deceased family members came forward uh, to assist. So that was good and bad, you know, at the same time. So I think it's just, you know, obviously if you've been watching the season thus far, you can tell that these cases were extremely intense and horrifying and it just continues on. Yeah, pretty dark stuff. Now, do your, um, I'm assuming that, that you two don't have a lot of say in the cases that are selected, that your producers select the cases. Would that be a correct assumption? On, on Amy's part, she has no, um, okay. she can't have any knowledge. So obviously she has no input because she has no knowledge where we're going. Um, mm-hmm. My part of it is I'm presented with a case. Obviously, listen, I'm a parent, so as soon as I hear there's children involved and there's something going on with kids, I, I want to jump on top of that or if somebody elderly is getting abused. You know, In those cases, I try to jump on top of it. The problem is we have so many submissions uh, and we only do 13 episodes a season. It's, it's difficult to make a, a decision on where to go. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's, it's hard. Ultimately, Travel Channel, is we submit, um, let's say we submit 10 cases to Travel Channel that we'd like to do or just for a number. Uh, mm-hmm. Travel Channel has the final say on which cases they'd like us to, to, to investigate. Uh, we push for the ones we want, obviously. Okay. But, right. Uh, but they've been, you know, and the producers have their job to do. Uh, and, you know, and it's not about my abilities, it's not about Amy's abilities, it's about the people and what they're going through. So we, we try to base it on, you know, the needs of the of the client more than the needs of mm-hmm. anything right. else. They're the number one priority. So uh, that's why you, you've seen over the last two, three seasons, especially this season that's airing now, I mean, um, the stuff is, these people are going through is pretty, uh, is pretty intense. So, you know, and the good thing about this, 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 the fact that people are willing to even submit to the show now, they would have never did this five years ago. Right. Because people would have just, people would have just thought they were crazy and then, oh, what do you, what do you mean you're a detective? What do you mean she's a media? What, you know, what's going on? We just, well, I can't talk about what we've been, we're doing now, obviously, because uh, we're not, we're about to talk about that stuff. But, uh, you know, sometimes you'll get a case where people just, uh, the, the wife will call in. The husband doesn't know anything about us because he's never seen the show or anything like that. He's like, well, who are these people? What the hell is going on? You know, yeah. I don't know who these people are. You know, so stuff like that. Um, but, you know, picking the, the, picking the actual clients is very difficult. But, and the credibility is, and also, you know, the vetting takes a while. Sure. Um, you know, a lot of crackpots out there. I mean, a lot of people are just... Yeah. So that... You know, and, and I, we, I help producers weed through that because I can read people pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. I, could, I could tell just by talking on a phone with somebody for a half a minute, you know, what the story is. Uh, you know, I, I, I personally canceled a couple of shows because I said, well, we're not doing this because these people are obviously not mentally right. There's, there's nothing paranormal going on here. There's something else going on. Right. Uh, so, that, so that's what makes it a little difficult for us to... Uh, I don't, I don't like to use the word book the show because I, I hate using that TV terminology. It drives me crazy. <laughs> um, and I really do. I just hate the whole TV 
thing about, you know, the way the process, but, uh, because I'm used to doing cases the way I do cases, and, you know, TV, it's a show, obviously, Um, Mm -hmm. but that being said, you know, we make sure we we don't have people that are looking for their 15 minutes of fame. Right, Uh, and there are a lot of them out there. Mm -hmm. You'd be surprised, yeah. No, no, I wouldn't. You know, it's not easy to uh, to book the show. It's not easy to book clients that are legitimately, uh, you know, trying to vet these people takes a while. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not an easy thing. Amy has no idea what goes behind the scenes, but she can't. She has no idea what we go through to try to book these shows because, you know, criminal background checks, make sure they, they're, not, they're not, you know, fraud, you know, stuff like that where these people have deceived people in the past, so, you know. We, want, we don't want to go into a house where people are just going to get on TV when you have other people that really need our help in a legitimate manner. So yeah. that's where, that's where the, it's tough to get, um, you know, the, the clients. Like, who do we go, who do we investigate? We have all these people praying for our help. And, you know, how do you, you know, it's hard. I'm glad I don't make that final decision because it will break my heart to tell somebody no. Yeah, I bet it will. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, yeah. and that, it's hard. It's, it's hard to tell somebody no when they need help. You know, I was, um, I, I, and I don't know if it was a previous season or uh, the current season because I'll be honest, I, I sort of watch them when I have time, and I just pull them up and watch them. And, and a lot of them have been recent, <laughs> but there was there was one recently, Steve, where you you were saying to the clients, something's going on here. Nobody's telling me the truth. I feel like. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I got pissed at that. They cut a lot out on that episode because I guess. Uh, I really, um, that's, that, that's an Oregon, Illinois episode uh, with Mayor Mike and the double homicide that he swore. You know, mm-hmm. you know what it is? He, he, this guy was a former mayor. He thought he was a detective. He's not. He, he spent over $100,000 trying to solve a murder that I'm pretty sure I have. I, I'm not saying I know exactly who did it, but I know somebody he thinks did it didn't do it alone. I mean, cause, and a lot of it was cut out of the show. It's really kind of annoyed me because I wasn't able to explain, it wasn't explained why I came to my theory, why I thought that his theory was totally wrong. And on top of that, everybody in that I interviewed was trying to protect him for some reason. It was driving me insane. It was like they were holding back information. And I just, uh, you know, I kind of, uh, listen, you don't call me to do an investigation then jerk me around and not give me the information I need. So this is why I got a little annoyed. But a lot of it was... Um, I said, I used the word they tamed me down on TV a little bit during my case. <laughs> oh, well, that was an interesting one to watch because that was, I have to tell you, that was the one where you seemed at your most coppish. Yeah, yeah, that was my wheelhouse. That was my favorite episode that season to investigate for me. I, you know, I know everybody, Amy has her favorites, I have mine, but for me, when I say my favorite, I, it was in my wheelhouse. It was it basically yeah. the whole show was about you know a cold case homicide. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. why uh, for me it was uh, it was one of the better episodes for me to investigate. Sure. So so just to to jump in, I have a question for Amy because I think this is the same case that we're talking about now. Um, this case I think is the one where Amy, you came across. A shadow person who was trying to deceive you, and I—I I was interested about how how that came about and how you can finally determine when an entity is um, 
making they're not well i guess they would be lying but but pretty much yeah. trying to prevent you from knowing yeah. what's really going on yeah i you know typically it, it comes from you know the further i get into my walk and i'm meeting other deceased individuals and then i'm kind of connecting the dots and how they're affecting me and how they are affecting the other living people in the environment that i'm seeing via my walk and my guides, and then obviously the other dead people, uh, that's typically when I'm able to figure out that that they're messing with me, uh, <laughs> that they're trying to misdirect me, they're trying to uh, hide uh, the truth. Um, and then, you know, my guides do assist a great deal in those types of situations as far as, you know, pointing me in the direction of like, no, you know, this, this, uh, this, is not a shadow person. This is a dead person, and they're 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 screwing with you. Mm. You need to look harder and okay. deeper. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, as a as a parent of teenagers, I have to tell you, I would love to have a psychic lie detector test on me. I mean, just that built in. That'd be that'd be fantastic. <laughs> Unfortunately, in my case, it only works with dead people. It's really fun. Yeah, bummer. But, you know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'd all love that. Oh, yeah, that that would make parenting a lot easier, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, just so, dealing with living people in general would yeah, yeah. be very helpful. So I want to ask you about the sketches. Um, my friend Patty and I have a running joke uh, about the sketches be- because where she sits and draws intently and then I she says Karen is this what you saw and it's stick pig people and I feel like that you usually get some pretty good sketches but every once in a while the sketches aren't so great and right. <laughs> I, I know one in particular where I was a little annoyed yeah. Yeah. way back when in season two I was like you know oh, like, you gotta be kidding me what the hell was this so, yeah. But then you still have to look serious and say, yes, that's what I saw. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it can be very, very difficult. But when you sat with somebody for hours upon hours and you've corrected them so many times and it simply is just not going anywhere, you have to, that's when, that's when it's uh, showtime, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, we have to, you know, they find sketch artists at each location, and they have to, the producers, from what I understand, because, yes, I've talked to them about this problem, <laughs> is that, you know, they they reach out to them, and they're given, you know, via facts, uh, you know, uh, sketches that this person supposedly has done in the past, and that's really all they have to go by is their resume and the sketches that they're sent. So it's kind of like, gee, maybe it was a good sketch that you got back, but that's because they worked on it for three months, and and they're not good at doing it impromptu, you know, and all of these kinds of factors that, that play into it. So it can be really difficult. What I started to do Actually, to, to try to eliminate that problem is I now do pre-sketches. Oh, smart. <laughs> and it seems to be doing a lot better. <laughs> it probably goes a lot more quickly when you have a pre-sketch for them. It, yes, it does. And then they're able to really kind of grasp 
what I'm trying to relay. So, okay, yeah, yeah, because yeah. some of the things that I hear you describe, I think there was no way I would sketch that that way. So this pre-sketches helps me to understand how how you get from one from point A to point B. Now, do you just yeah. do? Um, I I know sometimes you have more than one sketch, but do you do you do multiple sketches and then just production determines what you use or, or how do you do the sketching yeah. process? Yeah, sometimes I'll do uh, several sketches and then they figure out whether it's timing issues, content that they feel is more important, um, you know, like if there's, you know, more of a situation like say with a, with a homicide case, they're going to allocate more time uh, to discussing, you know, that situation versus, you know, cramming in the two sketches. So it all depends on the situation in the case and what they feel is more important uh, that the viewers uh, hear or see. So. Okay. You also got to, you also got to understand some our, our reveals last anywhere from four to five hours. There's only nine minutes of TV. <laughs> wow. You're right. Yeah. So. You know, it's crazy. We also film 80 hours of footage a week that gets crammed into 42 to 44 minutes. And yeah. I wouldn't want to have the job of the editors, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yep. it, it, it's just impossible to put all the content in. Obviously, it's a TV show, so you're going to put the content that makes sense for the audience to see. Why would you put content that makes no sense for the audience to see? You know, mm -hmm. So it's basically, uh, you know, why show a pink elephant when you're talking about a giraffe? Right. Mm -hmm. you, you understand? It's the only yeah. Yeah, I understand. Like if there's ten interviews and two of the people can barely articulate, you yeah, know, I mean, what they need to, they're going to cut that out because. It's I mean, I mean, if I had a dollar for every interview I've done that never made it to air, you know. I'd be, I'd be living in the Bahamas right now, but you know, <laughs> uh, it just you know it's part of the, it's part of what we do. I mean, and I don't I don't let me tell you the producers have a tough job. I don't know how the hell they do it, uh, and the editors. I mean, we do what we do, and they just have to try to figure out how to put all of that into. Literally, you could probably do a two-hour show every week if you if you, to really get. But who's going to sit down for two hours and watch a TV show? You know, an hour is about as. Yeah, people want to spend watching the show. Yeah, it has to. So. There, story storytelling does have a role in what you do, and and we certainly understand that. Um, so yeah, absolutely, yeah. we get it. Yep, I have a question about a sketch, and it kind of, so so the sketch was from an episode I think it was Struthers, Ohio, and the sketch turned out to be of someone. I think it was they were sleeping in their bed. It was a a young young lady, and the sketch turned out to to show a being um, towards the top of the bed interacting with this person and then two others at the foot of the bed. And, and what I remember is that in your analysis, Amy, this turned out to be dealing with alien abduction. And okay. So that was in uh, Macon. Oh, I'm sorry. Macon, I had Macon, Georgia. Yeah. Yep. Sorry about that. I had the wrong, wrong city. Um, they, how do you, I guess I'm just wondering how, you know, there's steps you can take to remove spirits from a location or a property, but, but what steps can you do when you come to the conclusion that extraterrestrials are involved? I mean, is there really anything anybody can do? Can you leave? Yeah. Will they follow you? Right. <laughs> well, the whole thing is, is that, you know, this, it, it depends, of course, on the situation. And this 
there, there was a lot going on that obviously, again, didn't make air with that case um, because if it had, everybody would know that my advice was uh, for them, you know, there were other people involved in this abduction within the family. Oh. Yeah. And, you know, it had been going on for a very long time. Um, and that would indicate that this typically abductions will be kind of an inherited trait sometimes. So it'll run through families and it'll pass from generation to generation. And in really? those situations, yeah, in those situations, the abductee has been, you know, basically tagged mm -hmm. in a, like an animal in the wild. Uh, and so their family line, for whatever reason, is being monitored and, you know, uh, just like a sociological or physical, you know, whatever. And so that's not something that you can run away from or move from. And so my suggestion to them was to join support networks, uh, to get in touch with experts in the field uh, uh, dealing with aliens and uh, ETs and things of that nature. Uh, so that then they could learn about it and learn how to deal with it as best as they can. Uh, and definitely, you know, there are many, many support groups out there uh, for people who have gone through those experiences. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, so there, so sometimes there's not a whole lot you can do. I mean, it, you know, if it's following the family, you just have mm -hmm. to do what you can do to deal with it in some yeah. way. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I didn't see um, this weekend's show because it's in my queue of things to watch, and I've had a rather busy couple of days. But Cheryl says that your conclusion on this last show was that they needed to move. And that's fairly rare that I, I think I've heard you come mm -hmm. to that conclusion. I, how hard mm -hmm. is that? Because I think, okay, as a homeowner who's got a kid in college and, you know, we work really hard and all our money's sunk into everything if you told me to move i couldn't in good conscience sell my house to somebody else because karma so what do, what does somebody do in that situation mm -hmm. it, it's very difficult uh, my 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 job at the time is to tell the people what the best uh you know what the best thing for them and their family is to do uh and then Oftentimes, off-camera, off we'll discuss, you know, what it means for them to sell, to sell that property. And what it boils down to is, you know, given the situation, uh, that situation in particular, uh, I believe it was a PK, uh, the house had a PK manifestation, um, is that there, there are about, you know, four different variables that play into that house being triggered and responding the way that it does. Uh, so you need basically a perfect storm going on for that uh, to be triggered and to be as active as it was and is with that family. Uh, so the chances of the, another family moving into that location and that those events happening are extremely small. You know, oh. you're, you're looking at like, you know, maybe a 25% chance or less that anything, that they would notice anything at that property. Uh, what you had there was extreme psychological issues, physiological issues, uh, family dynamic issues, um, and then you had individuals with specific types of abilities. Um, so you're talking about a lot of different factors that would need to be at play for that house to respond the way that it is with them. 
But wouldn't them moving still, wouldn't the problems move with them then? Because wherever you go, there you are. Um, well, not necessarily because the okay. house does have that energy and it was triggered and it triggered the, the child in particular and oh. the child's ability. So it was kind of a reciprocating relationship that had been set up and put into play by both of those factors being present in the same uh, space and time. So if that family moves, granted, there's a lot of things, and of course, I did talk to them about this, that they did need therapy, that, you know, there's a lot that doesn't air like Steve said. You know, our reveals can go on for many hours. And so they do need, you know, a lot of counseling and things like that and issues that need to be worked on and things that they need to do to control, to keep their abilities that have now been triggered under control. Um, but a situation happening to them like the one in this house would be very slight to know. So, so and, and branching off on that, this particular episode we're talking about right now, the property or house had created this PK manifestation. But what we're used to hearing is that a human agent creates the you know, manifestation or the poltergeist or what have mm-hmm. you. How, mm-hmm. how, I mean, isn't this pretty rare where a property or yeah. location, okay, might create that? Because I, I really had not heard of that so much before. Um, yeah. But so mm-hmm. how does that, can you just explain how a property or location can create a negative entity? Um, basically what happens is it, it, the environmental factors. So you're talking about uh, the geological magnetic frequencies, you're also talking about the electromagnetic frequencies, uh, those I, I would gather to guess, I wish I had my, my equipment with me for that particular case, trust me, it, it mm-hmm. drives me insane, um, but I'd be willing to you know, say that I guarantee that that location is extraordinarily uh, high with both of those if you were to do reads. Uh, so it's probably an anomaly that's occurring there. Um, so when you have those two types of energies and then you have a, a property that's built. Now that property that's being built is being built by living people who have emotional issues. And so the environment is absorbing from pretty much any living person that had anything to do with building that property. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then anyone who ever lived there, it was absorbing and absorbing. And then basically it, took on a personality from all of these different individuals that had been at that location. And unfortunately, the personality that developed is not a healthy one mm. because the things that are being absorbed, the emotions are going to be typically not great emotional um, factors that are being put out into the, you know, to strike energy that high. Usually it's extreme emotional uh, situations. Um, so that's basically how that can develop and be harnessed into a particular location, like a house building, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. business, whatever. So so then somebody may come in and have some type of ability to trigger that, or can it just trigger itself? Um, it, it'll always feed off of the traumas that occur, um, but the situation that occurred there was that you had a person who had psychokinetic abilities, mm-hmm. all right? And they were also a child, okay? Uh, so they're teens. There was extreme, and when I say extreme psychological issues and family dynamics that were going on, that would be a freaking understatement, okay? Mm-hmm. So all of these things that factored into really triggering 
uh, a, a personality manifestation, PK there, uh, is what contributed to that. Um, so you'd have to have somebody who had all of those things checkmarked off moving into that house for that thing to still be that present. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So you guys, um, at the end, Amy, you give recommendations. And um, I'm not sure how soon the episodes are created after you've been there, but a lot of times what it says is they were unable to find anybody to help them. And I'm curious as to why they would, why somebody wouldn't be willing to help. Like they say they're unable to find a medium or whatever you ask them to do. So why is it, do you think, that, that people have trouble finding somebody to help them? I'm not really sure because we definitely provide them with um, various leads, uh, whether it's, you know, individuals that I've connected with uh, in the area or, um, you know, telling them to go to the university. But the thing it boils down to is that at that point, Steve and I have done the best job that we can do uh, by them. And they have to then take it into their own hands and become proactive, okay, in resolving their situation because it takes a person to face the haunting head on and, and eliminate it for them to learn that they have the power to do so. Um, so we do give them uh, leads as far as, you know, go to this website or you can go to the university or you can hit this person up for leads as far as mediums in the area. Uh, so it's really at that point in their hands to become proactive and take, you know, take the reins. Right. Do you think that there are some people, I, I know that I work um, as, a, as a psychic with a team here in Washington, and mm -hmm. what I found is that there are some people who don't want the help because it makes them feel special in some way. Is that, is that something oh, yes. you've encountered as well? Oh, yes, constantly. Since I, I mean, I started, I saw that case after case, you know, even prior to this show, and that, that is absolutely a huge problem uh, that we face as investigators in this field, is that there are the martyrs, and, you know, basically the Munchausens that are out there who feed off of the attention that's generated from these situations, and no, they are not going to get the help that they need, because that's the way they get their attention. Right. I have a question for Steve about the reveals, and mm -hmm. I'm wondering, because it seems to me that you you dig up a lot of this historical uh, information during your research and investigation, and then during the reveal, it seems, you know, Amy comes in and she, she, she hits on a lot of that stuff psychically. I mean, how, how, how amazed are you at that? At yeah, how do you not things. sit there with your mouth <laughs> hanging open all the time? Right, that they just, she, she kind of uh, uh, corroborates what you've found factually through your, you know, interviews and whatnot. It's funny, we just did a reveal, I almost hit her in the head because my hands were up. And <laughs> oh, yeah! She hit on, <laughs> so she hit on something that I was like, I can't believe she caught that because it was just, and it, what had happened was, it was a part of the investigation I didn't think, would have came out and revealed, but I wanted to do this interview because I thought it was pretty interesting to do. Um, and to the producers' credits, they they didn't fight me on it because uh, I because I kind of try to line up the, the 
the interviews of who I want to talk to through them, and uh, and it's it's a logistical nightmare trying to get the right people to talk to, and then they'll mm -hmm. last minute they'll pull out, they don't want to be on TV, and then you know, so it, it takes a lot, you know. So I have to line up four to five different types of different people that I need to talk to. But uh, just getting back to the point about Amy, I mean, we just finished our ninety seventh episode the other wow. day, and. Uh, I literally almost knocked my head off. Because <laughs> you know, I'm still amazed by the stuff she comes up with. And, um, and, and that's for a guy like me who's just so, um, I, you know, I've seen and heard it all. I mean, after three years in the Marine Corps, 23 years in the police department, there's not much I haven't seen or experienced. But when it comes to what she does, it's hard for me to get... Like, I, I used to get complacent looking at a dead body because I saw so many. Um, so when I walked into a room and I'd see a dead body that was, uh, you know, stabbed 40 times and the head's cut off and all that stuff, this stuff just, you know, didn't bother me and it still wouldn't bother me because it's just so redundant. But with Amy, it's just different every week. So it's, it's, a, it's a different type of experience for me. Um, so I always tell people, they, oh, you believe in the paranormal. I'm like, no, I believe we're in Amy's abilities. Mm -hmm. It's not that I don't believe in the paranormal. I'm an open-minded skeptic. I do believe there's something going on. I cannot deny it when Amy's hitting on things like that. It still amazes me. Right. Because I, honestly, I don't believe people. That's what I don't believe. I'm not saying there's <laughs> not, paranormal's not happening. I just don't believe people. Um, so for me, it's just the detective of me and the cop of me just, just not believing anybody. All, you, know, you know, you can't believe everybody 100% anyway. Right. In anything, you, in anything you do, never mind what we do. Mm -hmm. um, so I just take that approach. Is like, well, if Amy can verify it, then I guess i got to believe what they said to me. You understand? Yeah, so there are, there are a lot of tall yeah. tale tellers out there, so I do understand. Yeah, yeah right. Yep. And, you know, and for me, it's just... Um, it's good that I'm still, I, when I become, when you don't see my reaction, that's when you know there's a problem, you know, because that means I'm not interested in what I'm doing anymore. So yeah. I'm passionate about, I'm passionate about what we do and, uh, you know, I'm passionate about helping people. So for me, um, that look you see on the television is, is like, really, again, how do you know? I wish yeah. she made a freaking lot of numbers if she's doing this, this stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work that way, Steve. <laughs> I know, I know. I've been told uh -huh. mm -hmm. If you had a dime for yeah. everybody who asked you for the lotto numbers, you wouldn't need the lotto, would you, Amy? Oh, my God, no. <laughs> well, if, if, if I had a dollar for every time anybody asked me, have you had paranormal experience? Uh, uh. <laughs> I try not to get upset when I hear that question, but it's just like... Yeah. It's so, a thousand. Yeah, I, I get it. So, Amy, do you sometimes hmm. um, surprise yourself, or, or whoever gives you the information, are you sometimes surprised by it as well, that you, that you get oh, yeah. things that are that accurate? Yes. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm an open-minded skeptic, too, and basically the reason why I do things the way I do them is because you know, not only was I tested and tested myself, but I've tested many others, and so I'm always testing. That's a part of that. And so I'm always, um, you know, just 
dumbfounded, you know, because I think even though, you know, we're sensitive, we get this information, yada, 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 um, it, you know, we're still just kind of like, how exactly does this work? You know? <laughs> right. How is this always going on? How does this work? How is it always consistent? You know, it's just, it's a mystery. And we all have our theories and ideas. Um, but truly, at the end of the day, nobody knows for certain. And so it is. It's always, a, a, you know, like a, wow, okay, all right. I know, I know. I'm in the right place. And you have to, you have to be so like, yes, I knew that with the clients, but inside, aren't you just thinking, oh my God, that's so cool. I just got that. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I think I'm pretty transparent with everybody. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask about, um, and, and this is something I know that Somewhere in the middle of the show, usually as a bumper coming back to break, especially if you're dealing with something like a crime or something, you have a little disclaimer that pops up that says that this is not uh, evidence of a crime or something like that. Uh, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So, that's, so that's lawyers. That's lawyer, lawyer stuff. That's all the lawyers. Know. The lawyers say that have to be. I mean, but really, mm -hmm. would it, it wouldn't be used as evidence of a crime really anyway, unless you actually uncovered and found the guy while you were investigating, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, they're not going to bring a psychic into a court of law and say, "Well, I saw this mm -hmm. and deposed them on." It's never been done. They don't. They don't do it. You know, that's why lie detector tests aren't uh, admissible in court. They're not accurate. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a tool. The lie detector test mm -hmm. is a tool, but you can't use it in court. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I've been asked this question before. Why did I ever use psychics when I was working in homicide? I did. I used two psychics, and you know, it wasn't uh, <laughs> it wasn't condoned by the police department by any stretch. I mean, um, mm -hmm. you know, and that that money came out of my pocket. You know, because mm -hmm. I just needed a break on a case, and I would have done anything, but. It's just part of, um, it's just a disclaimer saying that, you know, don't go running to the authorities with information saying that, well, I saw this on a TV show and it must, this must be the case, what happened. I, it's just, it's, it's legal stuff that we have no part of. Um, I see it when it comes on. I, it kind of makes me feel bad that they would put that on there, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just, I, I just couldn't imagine... Uh, calling in and saying, hello, I saw this on TV. Sorry about my dog barking, by the way. Hello, I saw this on TV. Would you please, would you please go arrest someone? I just, it, 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 it's not, well, that's not something that's in my, my thought processes. <laughs> yeah, I get, I get messages every day on my Facebook, uh, you know, private messages helping, asking for help on solving missing persons stuff, on, uh, you know, crimes. Uh, you help me find out where my, my sister may be, you know, stuff like that. It's heartbreaking because, yeah. you know, you, you can't help everybody. I mean, everybody's got issues. Um, uh, but there's a lot of people like Amy and I out there that, are, that can help these people. We just happen to be on TV mm -hmm. and we're more, um, I guess, uh, out there. We, oh, I know two people now that can help me. Let me try to contact them. So uh, mm -hmm. I think that's where uh, that comes from. Mm -hmm. hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So... If you could could take this chance to clear up any misconceptions that are out there about the show, you know, what do you hear that's really frustrating for you that you want to clear up to our listeners? 
<laughs> I, got, I got one pet. I got one pet peeve that drives me absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you know, I'm, I'm going to sound like a bit of a jerk about it, but people, for some reason, they're watching episodes like last week, Struthers, Ohio. Oh my God, you're in Struthers, Ohio. Uh, can we come see you? I'd like to meet you. We, we filmed <laughs> that eight months live. ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. they think that we're filming a live show and like we're there right there and then. We are not. We are. You know, <laughs> we are filming. Because there is the editing process, there is, you know, all this mm-hmm. other stuff that's got to get done. Uh, I just find it odd that people would think we're filming when it's airing. Because I'll get Facebook messages on Twitter. Oh, you're in, yeah. uh, you know, you're in Columbus, Ohio. I'm, I'm, I'm now, I'm 20 minutes away. Can we meet for a drink or can we meet for pizza or something? You know, something odd. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? This is five months ago. I mean, <laughs> I don't even think we're doing this in real time. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's one thing I, I you know uh, and they, you know like I, I Amy and I like to post oh we're in such and such location and you know while we're doing the filming season and then people see oh is that the episode that's going to be on tonight no we're filming this so that you can see it next in another few months you know uh, right. You know, people people just don't understand how television works. I guess I mean, they don't mm-hmm. understand the magic of the TV, huh? <laughs> magic, <laughs> yeah, TV magic. Yeah. Uh, TV magic. That that's that's basically one of my uh, things that just drives me insane. It's like, oh, you. Uh, and then they're like, or oh, they'll see me out posting photos of uh, me and the crew filming, and I'll post photos like of you know me doing an interview. They're like, well, where's Amy? Well, what part of we don't work together don't you get from the show? <laughs> I mean, it's obvious if Amy was there while I'm doing my interviews, there would be no surprise at the end, right? Right. Good point. So that, that's another, yeah, you know, every, I just, I give up on trying to answer, so I just, I just, you know, like, I don't know, maybe she's around the corner, I don't know where she is, you know. <laughs> She's, high, she's behind the camera. She's taking the picture. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> well, what about what about you, Amy? Do you have any anything that you want to let the viewers know that maybe you know they they don't get the full picture about when they're watching the show? Mm. Um, I think that mine is you know really about them understanding that you know like uh, Steve brought up earlier. You know, there's 80 hours. Uh, that's filmed per week, and we have 40-something minutes to squeeze that 80 hours into. Uh, so I get a lot of, you know, um, you know, I, I really didn't understand at the end you only told them to do this one thing. And it's like, well, actually, no, I told them to do about 12 different things, but due to editing, you only saw that there was one thing that I told them to do. Um, And also, you know, going deeper into explaining uh, these various entities or haunting types where, again, I'm allocated one minute to Mm -hmm. explain this, and they're saying, well, we need a deeper knowledge of these entities and haunting types. Well, again, due to the editing process, I'm allocated a minute so I think right. that's the only thing that I would like people to understand is that, no, we actually do, you know, like the reveal itself, you know, can be up to five hours, and trust me, you, I'm going into great detail with the clients and also in their follow-up care, and that is just, we don't have time. Mm-hmm. Sure. No. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that is annoying for me as well. I know Amy, I'll do an interview, and it'll take an hour. And the only thing you'll hear me say, and I've said this before as a joke, is like, wow. You know, that's like the only thing that he's, he's saying. No, I, I, asked, I asked 45 questions, and all they kept in there was, wow. Okay, exactly. Doing a, you know, Steve, you're doing a hell of a job by you know, interviewing somebody, and all you get out of there is, wow. So it, it, it's frustrating for me, like Amy was saying, like, you know, I spent two hours interviewing somebody, taking detailed notes, asking a million questions, and the only thing they'll do is give me a look like, oh, hmm, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. so, uh, you know, it's, it's frustrating for us because I don't want the fans to think we're not doing a thorough job. Right. Trust me, we are doing a very, very, very thorough job. You know, we're doing our due diligence. Right. Either on the psychic, or on the medium level, or on the investigative level, on my side. Yeah. The due diligence is being done. It's just, right. you know, and like yeah. I said, I wouldn't want the job of the editors, editors to have to figure out right. what to put in. Oh, you know, sure. A lot of times people say, oh, Steve, you're so intense. And, you know, I have a lot of fun when I do my interviews. I laugh. I tell, you know, sometimes I'll crack a joke about something. None of that's ever in there, so everybody thinks I don't even smile. No, no, mm -hmm. no. You, you look very serious <laughs> quite a lot. Yeah. So, it's, you know, I'm a fun guy to be around. You know, I have a lot of laughs, and it's just like, you know, not everything has to be serious. I mean, when we're with the clients, obviously, it's a serious situation. Right. But, I mean, if I got a historian telling me a, a, a story about some guy that did something kind of funny, I mean, of course I'm going to laugh. And, you know, they'll cut that out. And I'm like, why, why would you cut that out? That's a funny story. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, that's... You know, it's just the same thing like Amy said. We just we're doing our job. It's just that it's a, it's a one hour show, which means only forty three to forty four minutes of it's on TV. Right, um, I understand. Well, so I want to ask you about the recommendations that you make. Um, so, where do you come up with them? Um, basically, uh, there's a lot of people in the room during the reveal that y'all don't see because they're dead. Mm, okay. <laughs> so I have. <laughs> yeah. Typically, the people that show up are the clients, dead people, uh, so that can be friends or family, um, their guides, um, and then my, my group of dead people that I travel with and who work with me as well as my guides. And so then um, I go off of everything, their input, and what they say needs to be done, and that's what I go by. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, Cheryl, do you have a question? Because I just forgot mine. I do. I, <laughs> out of my brain. I do. This is the most important question of the entire interview. Okay. Um, you mentioned 97 shows. How big is the party going to be when you hit 100? That is a good question, yes. Well, we don't know, if, we don't know what's going on with that yet, so I'd rather not comment on it. Oh. We're, we're, ending oh. we're, we're ending this season on 99 episodes. So wow. Okay. Oh, oh. Hopefully there'll be a 100 episode to... Uh, Fingers crossed. Uh, that's what I was just going to yeah. say. Fingers crossed. Because, yeah, you know, I don't really watch paranormal shows, but yours is actually one that I will take the time to sit down and watch because it entertains me. So, and, and well, I think that well, you're helping. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't so. watch cop shows, so I, I get that, you know. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> you get a little, it just, just gets a little overloaded, doesn't it? So, Amy, yeah, I, um, I, you're a physical medium, and mm -hmm. um, that's very, very physically 
hard on you? How do you how do you take care of yourself? How do you not be sick all the time? Oh, well, actually, I'm I'm pretty sick often. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, nobody should be doing it this way. Like that's something I want to let sensitives know. And prior to the show, I mean, I did maybe one or two cases uh, uh, per month. Um, and this is I'm doing basically I'm opening at least four to six times per month. Um, and so that physical toll on any type of sensitive is going to be immense. Um, so it's a lot of, uh, a lot of follow-up care with outside providers like uh, Reiki uh, people, shamans, okay. medicine people, getting massages, doing salt baths. I mean, anything and everything I can possibly think of to help. Okay. Yeah, because I, I would imagine, because I know um, I only probably maybe twice a month, and I get sick. I inevitably get mm -hmm. sick every time, and I do everything I can to protect myself, but I get sick. So what you do, you just must feel horrible all the time. It can be hard. I mean, yeah. right now I'm looking at, uh, you know, I since I've done the show, I've had, you know, I uh, was attacked by the banshee lady out in, I think it was Connecticut or Jersey, and so I had to have blood transfusions for months after that. Oh, my gosh. You know, then I had to have, like, emergency surgery, and then the lady in, I think it, uh, where was that? The woman, it was actually a homicide case where the girl was supposedly drowned or not. And uh, her sister had cancer, and so she actually gave me, not on purpose, uh, but she gave me cancer, so I had that. And then now I'm feeling like I got stabbed, you'll see, on an upcoming show in New Mexico that I was got sick there and had to go to the hospital. Now I'm going to be having surgery for gallbladder. So, you know, it is, it's difficult, and I do everything I possibly can uh, to stay as healthy as possible. But it does wear on the body, yes. Is it worth it? Is it worth the cost? I wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't. Yeah, I guess so, huh? Well, that... Uh... It, it, certainly, it certainly ain't for the money, I can tell you that. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> That, that I can honestly tell you. I know. Uh, that's, I that's, the you. Other, that's the other misconception yeah. is anybody who, anybody who has a reality TV show is rich, 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 rich. Yeah, no, yeah. Not you know, by I, any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, that's a misnomer. People think that, you know, uh, you know, oh, you're on TV. You must be a millionaire. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know what TV you're watching, but... <laughs> I'm a hundred. Uh, you, huh? Oh, uh, But uh. It, it's worth it because of, you know, like Amy said, it, with the look on the faces of clients when they finally get mm. an answer and a solution to do something, it, you can't beat that euphoric feeling of, like, I can't believe we were able to help them, and I feel so good for them. Mm -hmm. I'm happy for them right now. Yeah, so... A lot so, of times mm -hmm. tonight, as messed up as it is, and they got... You know, you've got gargoyles running around your house, but we could fix it, you know, whatever the case may be. At the end of the night, we could at least hug each other and say, thanks, you know, at least we know what's going on here, and, and, and this is a good thing. So, okay. that, that, that you, there's no price tag on that. You can't put a price tag on that at all. Because right. you, you go through, in your reveals, you go through a long list of some pretty frightening stuff. 
And I mean, so I know you know that at the end you're going to give them a list of things and there's a payoff, but it's got to be very difficult to sit and watch them and watch people break down in tears. They're horrified. They're, you know, all sorts of things. That has to be really difficult. You know, it's interesting because oftentimes it's at the end of the reveal, um, it's them you know, they're very overwhelmed, obviously, during the reveal because they're getting validation. They understand that they're not crazy. This is, you know, truly what's happening. Um, And so there's a lot of relief there, um, you know, at the end of these uh, reveals. Um, So even though the process uh, that they're going through during the reveal can be difficult, uh, when we're done, there is relief. Sure. Sure. I understand that. And it is, I think, don't you think a lot of people just feel better because they know they're not crazy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I, and then it's usually a line I'll say in the, in the reveal that never gets said, obviously, because, but I'll tell them, see, well, at least now you know you're not nuts, you know. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm the one that, because mm-hmm. I'm the one initially talking with them and finding out, and I'm looking at them like they may be crazy because I do give them that look once in a while. And, you know, not because I don't do it on purpose. I just, like, what did you just say? Did I hear that right? <laughs> you know, uh, but at the end, I could say, well, obviously, even though I may have had slight doubts, we know you don't, we know what you're going through, and you're not nuts. You're, you're, this is actually happening to you. And a lot of times, you know, it'll validate a, a wife to a husband who's not supportive which we see a lot of. Mm-hmm. You, you do mm-hmm. see that a lot, that, that one person, and it's, it usually is the husband, it seems like, that one person is really not supportive of yeah, you. Yeah, and I, and I usually got something pretty, you know, I don't get in their grill too much, but I get in their grill about it, and they don't air a lot of that. Somebody sent me a message the other day that I was kind of harsh with the husband on one of our episodes because he wasn't believing the wife and the kids. I'm like... If you thought it was harsh what they aired, you should have seen what they what they didn't air. Mm. Yeah, you know, get, I, listen. You don't want to support your wife; it's one thing, but when you don't support your kids, that that's mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that must know, have been something. the family with the two the two little blonde or the two blonde teenager kids and the yeah, blonde mom. Exactly. Yeah, I think that was Struthers, Ohio. That just aired recently. And I got Facebook uh, messages mm-hmm. from a few people saying I was a little harsh with the husband. I'm like, Nah, he had it coming. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like no, nobody's ever seen me harsh on this show. I don't do harsh on on, on this show. You want to see yeah. harsh? You should have seen me when I was a detective, or you know, working the streets. That was different. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet. Mean, I'm not harsh. Either. So what? But, what? What do viewers have to look forward to coming up on the show? Uh, this season is going to be pretty good. We got to. There's a one we did. It, we actually did a movie theater that's coming up not in a few weeks. Cool. The first time we did something. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it was a heartwarming story about the actual town involving the family. And, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, it's like an IMAX theater and we're trying to... It was a lot more to it. You know, there's <laughs> people there. But we don't just go do a movie theater just to do a movie theater. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the... Well, the episode where I got bit by the scorpion while I was filming is coming up in Fulton, Texas. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You're kidding me. Steve <laughs> yeah. is yeah. as sick as I am, I swear. And I'm telling you, it's freaking paranormal because it's <laughs> happening more and more. 
Yeah, I got bit by a scorpion. Well, it's, uh, I saw the actual footage of it. These guys thought I was crazy. And then uh, it was crawling up my leg as I was interviewing the husband in the <laughs> front yard. And uh, I got stung pretty good. And uh, But I continued. I worked, Hey, listen, I finished wow. the day out and then went to the, then went to the hospital. So. <laughs> Oh, oh wow, that's pretty. That's pretty tough, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, but you know, we we got a couple. I mean, we can't give away the whole shows, but um, yeah. the 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 investigations last season. We you know every year I say this, and it's it's getting you know to the point where people I stop saying this, Steve. But I seriously believe like each year our investigations are getting a lot more intense mm-hmm. and a lot more uh, stakes are involved as far as the physical activity that's happening to these people, um, and the type of stuff that they're seeing and going through is just, you know, nothing like you would have seen in season one. This stuff is way, way It's very that. dark. Yeah, it's dark. Yeah. Very dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to seeing some more episodes myself, um, so I can't wait for that. And then I haven't seen any. I've I got to watch them myself, to be honest <laughs> with you. I got them all, yeah, I got them all taped. Do it like I do. Just sit down when you find you have a little time and watch them. <laughs> you know what it is? Even the hotels we stay out, sometimes they don't even carry it. And most of the time we're, we're filming during while the new season's airing. So it's kind of tough for me. Because me and Amy and Matt don't get to even see uh, the show until it's aired. Right. You know, oh, that's wow. Just, that's, yeah, I mean, that's just yeah. Hollywood. That's just common uh, practice in Hollywood, from what I understand. Yeah. Um, that you know, people that are on the show don't get to see it until it's. They won't show you what they call the final cut, I guess. So we, don't, I don't see her walk until the sh- I see it on TV, and she doesn't see what I've uncovered until you know what was right. on TV. So. Wow. Well, um, are there any upcoming projects that you'd like to talk about? Anything? Are you doing any books? Are you doing any shows, conventions, anything like that? I, th- I think, Andy, we're both doing Scarefest, right, in September? Yes, yes. Oh, yep. fun. Scarefest in September in uh, uh, Lexington, Kentucky. And I think that's oh, good, September I forgot where 11th. it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so now um, I know. And then, <laughs> yeah, Lexington, Kentucky, September, I believe it's 11th, 12th, and 13th. And that's the Scarefest. And, um... Still working on the freaking books. It's going to take a minute, but I finally found a ghostwriter, so I'm super excited about that. Oh, good. Uh, ah, nice. I might have an event in March, and, but I'm still waiting on that to be finalized, but I think it'll be very exciting for people. Uh, cool. Who I would be doing this event with would be pretty interesting, I think, to many. <laughs> Ooh, Unexpected, Interesting. Sure. Okay, well, we'll have to wait for that then. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, where can our listeners contact you or read more about you? Huh, well, for me, I have, I have two Facebook pages, but one's a personal page that I, I, I'm filled up I, uh, where you can't have any more friends on. Okay. But I have a public image page. Called, uh, it's Z-Files, Um And that's where I get a lot of the people... You know, that's I put most of the information about the upcoming shows on that page anyway. So any information they want to know about the shows or, you know, I'm doing another radio show tonight. It's on there and then stuff like that. And then I'll put, um, uh, you know, 
you know, where we're filming photos of the crews and stuff. So if people want to look at that kind of stuff, that's on there. And then I'm uh, my Twitter's at Steve Dishavi, and uh, Amy I think has both as well. So yeah, I have a public Facebook, and that's just at Amy Allen. Um, and then my Twitter, which I'm the most active on, which is at Amy Allen PDF. Okay. Yeah, Boy. I'm just the opposite. I'm, I'm more active on Facebook than I am yeah. on Twitter. Mm -hmm. so I've never we, quite we gotten the handle of the Twitter, so I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, me and, the, me and Twitter, I'm still trying to figure out Facebook, let alone Twitter, so... <laughs> I understand. Well, we appreciate you guys doing coming on the show, and we hope that we'll talk to you again, you know, in the future. Hey, this is Steve Deshavi from The Dead Files. You're listening to Paranormal Underground in the Dark. That is correct, folks. That was Boy, Amy Steve. Chef, you were so quiet during that interview. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, talking about girls' dresses and rings and babies and... <laughs> That's all I can say about that. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. That's okay. But, hey, you had a very good interview with uh, Amy and Steve, so that's kind of cool, you know. I, yeah, they sound, they're a lot of fun. They sound like they're very personable people. They are. They're they a lot are. of fun. They're very different than they come across or that they're edited on television. Mm -hmm. And Cheryl and I were really um, pleased with how candid they were with us about a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. They were really honest about that. Cool. Yeah, I wish I, yeah. wish I could have done it, but, you know, it's okay. You guys did a great job, man. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I know. You're welcome. So what do you want to talk about now, Karen? We have some time. What addresses, baby? Oh, no. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, help me. Chad even tried to help me. There was, there was no, there, there was no help. helping me. He just said, go with it, Chuck. Just go with it, buddy. So I sat quietly. During the interview, folks, you just could have know, turned off your know. headphones and just turned on the radio and sat and listened to the radio. <laughs> no, no, no. I will take my time when I get a chance, and it's on, you know, and it's put up there, and I'll, I'll sit back and listen to it then. So, yeah, it was a great yeah. interview. We were really pleased that they were able to come on, and yeah. we wish them another season. Fingers crossed, huh? Yep. Mm -hmm. Now, have they been on the show before? Three times, yeah, two times. That was our Whoa, favorite. that's the third time they've been on. Yes, that's well, correct. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. That's awesome. See, you, now that you're in the big leagues, you get to participate. Oh, wait, you didn't. <laughs> oh, it's that stick again. How did, I just thought I'd take that thing out of there. How did I get back in there so quickly? <laughs> oh, you know I love you. I uh, know. So, you know, hey, can I talk about something? I, ha I had a... a <laughs> no? Okay, very well then. <laughs> Uh, no, I had, everybody go home. <laughs> all right. I had this thing about um, our ghost information patterns because I wanted to, you know, that's one of the things I was going to do with the Enlightened Edge thing, you know, slash news. I never got around to it. Would it be all right if we talked about it or no? Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's roll, folks. Okay, so check this out. This is from Paranormal Unexplained, okay? I thought this was kind of cool. So the idea of spirit realms is not new. In fact, it's one of the defining concepts in the collective imagination of our species. The earliest humans grappled with the idea of a spirit world. Philosophers like, uh, Dis I can't even say it. Descartes? Yes. Yeah, thank you. Completed the division of the material world and the world of the mind. We are haunted by the idea of our own mortality. Over the years, we struggle with the possibility that those who have died before us are not completely gone. That part of their lives 
on in some kind of supernatural dimension that spills over into our everyday living reality. All right. There is a concept of ghosts that takes a more scientific but no less spooky approach. It centers around the ideas of energy and information. To be sure, this physical universe, everything from galactical information to organic intelligence, is constructed of energy and patterns of information. Underneath the velour of the microscopic world, the matrix of our reality is compromised of constantly shifting quantum particles, intertwined dimensions, and amplitudes distributions the true nature of which is hardly understood. After all, 90% of our universe is compromised of dark energy and dark matter. And physicists really readily admit that they had no idea what it is. Dark matter and dark energy make up 95% of the universe, which I found that pretty crazy. It's 95%. Um, so let's consider for a minute the research that has been conducted in the last couple of decades regarding the role of consciousness in the physical universe. Um, many of the researchers involved in these projects say the data collected shows nothing less than powerful, comprehensive evidence that mind does affect matter a bit in small, sometimes marginal ways. By small, they mean we can't crunch cars, darn it, fly, or telekinetically control the world like the recent film, The Chronicle, yet. However, the research shows there is a strong likelihood that mind, matter, and energy are interconnected and affect one another. Do you agree with this statement? Um, Yeah, it's just like we were talking about at the beginning of the show. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Yep. I, thoughts become things. That is my belief. That is why you choose you choose your thoughts in such a way that you can structure your reality in a way more pleasant to you. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking like when you say that we're talking like when you want to manifest something. That's pretty much what that is. By you you, you manifest thoughts. crap unintentionally all the time. Right. Exactly. So um, because if you walk around and you have these negative thoughts all the time, um, you get that you you yeah you get into you get out of the universe what you put into it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I believe that. Now, I wonder why we can't like manifest crunching cars and stuff like that. You know, is it, you know, like why? Yet. yet, yes. Why can't we? Um, just, no. I, I because I, first of all, I don't think a lot of people understand it. Um, but you know, actually, there are um, there's a great book by Gary Zukov called The Dancing Wu Li Masters, and it talks about people who have learned to mind over matter by using the principles of quantum physics. Okay. Gary Zukov. Um, right. Anyway, and there are you know people. There are people who can levitate, and there are people who can bend spoons, and you know there's all of this stuff. So I, I do think that that people do have the ability for when you say crunch cars. I mean that's telekinesis, yeah, and right. those abilities exist. Um, I, I think that that we are unaware of our own power because we're so caught up in the duality that we don't we don't get who we really are and that keeps us limited in our power well you know when they were talking about well bending spoons that's telekinesis too i mean i always thought that was kind of i thought that was kind of bunk like not real like you know just like magic no there was this russian lady who was really good at no their telekinesis is very real you've experienced anytime you've been in a haunted place and something has moved by itself okay that is telekinesis uh-huh. That is psychic energy moving an object, whether it's psychic energy from somebody dead or psychic energy from somebody living. Poltergeist phenomenon is telekinesis. Really, I find yeah. that interesting because I always thought I always I always connected telekinesis to a living person, not a person. Who's it, just, it can be it can be either. Because I we need uh, to well, get Lloyd back on Cheryl because he talks about this and he's really Lloyd Auerbach yeah, um, is do. really great at explaining all of this. 
Yeah, because I mean, to me, I always thought, you know, when you think telekinesis, you think it's the mind doing it. But if it's a person that's deceased, they don't have a mind per se, but there's a consciousness slash energy. So it's really not the mind per se, but yeah. But what is the? That's what you're defining as mind. It's not our brains. It's not the the yes. chemicals and particles that make up our brain that are creating telekinetic events. It's it's our it's our mind the process. is it's, okay. Mind is um, consciousness. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's so my it's opinion. A, it's more. No, that's a good opinion. It's the thought. It's the thoughts. The energy of the thought, not the right. Actual. And and you know, people. And here's the thing: is people don't understand. Most people think that they're helpless, and they they don't they can't help but think they're they can't help the thoughts that come into your head. But mm-hmm. that's you letting your thoughts think you. You can choose to think your thoughts. Oh, so deep deep and yet Dr. Seuss-like at the same time. You can choose to think your thoughts. I think my thoughts I thought I did. I think think you're so smart you could just figure out dark matter for us right now. Let's go. Give it to me. What's it? Um, Yeah, it's very little is understood, let me tell you. Yeah, I know. We I used to work at the SciTech Museum here in Aurora, and they had this thing where you could like crank the thing and look inside, and you saw this purple light, and it was kind of like yeah. a dark matter and all that kind of stuff, which is I find really interesting. Well, uh, I have long said that that you know people poo-poo how paranormal and oh that can't be and that's not real and stuff, and I will tell you that on a quantum level. The universe is so freaking weird. It is far weirder than any of the stuff that we experience on a macro level with paranormal. I mean, it's just, if you look at the way that very minute quantum particles react, mm-hmm. it's weird. That's why yeah. Einstein talks, like, for instance, and called it spooky action at a distance for quantum entanglement, because it's weird. Well, yes, it's as crazy as us being psychics and being able to talk to people on the other side or get messages and that kind of stuff. I mean, that's kind of crazy, too, if you think about it. Yeah. You know, what's so funny is, of course, you know, I'm a psychic because, like, I mention it all the time. (laughs) And um, these things just come to me. And when I was talking to Amy, I was trying to figure out if she still, every time she gets something right, goes, (gasps) because I do, because I still think I'm full of crap. But I'm not because I get all this stuff right all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Well, look, and Chad just said, so how do black holes figure into the paranormal? Maybe they're the portals. Maybe they're the doorways that go from one to another. Black holes are very, very, very dense. Yes. Very, very, very dense. And that's probably got to do with dark matter, too, I bet you. Because there's a connection there. I'm, I'm just saying. I don't know. What I need, I need uh, Jim because he's smart. <laughs> I need a gym. I thought maybe like, like a gym where you're going to go work out. No, my husband, Jim, he's very oh, okay. smart. He he knows these things. I just, I dabble. He actually understands it. Well, that's why I find the paranormal, the field just fascinating because so many theories, so many thoughts, so many different opinions, you know, and uh, that's why I think it's funny when like one person's opinion, they, they try to topple the other person's opinion and say, oh, no, 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 it's my opinion. It's like, how do you know? Nobody knows. You know what I mean? It's like it could be a combination of a lot of different opinions put together. That's what I think, really. I think it's going to be like, oh, it's like a string of all these things that people are talking about all kind of like stuck together. And I think that's what's really going to wind up popping up at some point. Um, but uh, that's why I, I get a little annoyed when people on the paranormalist want to just push that one thought process because it's not really that's not the way it is you know no i think it's fun to just sit and think about the possibilities um Mm -hmm. to me i you know 
It's uh-uh. that's more interesting. I think maybe if I knew, that mm-hmm. would be more boring. I like the mystery associated with it, and I truly believe at some time point there won't be mystery associated with things like um, the soul or death yep. or yep. ghosts or spirits. Mm-hmm. But but for now there is, and that's okay because it's fun. Yes, it's extremely fun. It's like uh, with doing the with, with with being a psychic. It's like neat when you just get like this random message. And like you know, I was at right? work. And this girl is like, I look at her and I, I say, I see clocks. Do you know why I see clocks? She's like, no. And then we start trying to break it down. I go, now I see these wings, but they're not wings like on a bird. They're like wings like you see like on one of those mm-hmm. uh, pins you wear when you get on a mm-hmm. plane. And then yeah. I go, well, wait, you just took a trip, right? And she goes, yeah. And I go, you went to Arizona. She goes, yeah. And I go, well. Was there something to do with like time or something? Did something change? Did like did you? She goes, "Oh my God, yeah." She goes, "The, the they had to switch the planes and change because it, it changed all the times because they had to switch the planes because something happened." And blah blah blah. She goes, "That was really crazy." And I go, "It's just so cool how that happens." You know, you just pick up that message. And it is like, it, yeah. it again, but like I say, I still I still totally don't think I'm really a psychic. Mm-hmm. But then all this stuff happens all the time, so I must be. I mean, because I just know stuff. I know that's exactly how I feel. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm not psychic, and also they'll say, hey, go ask her about the clocks. I'm like, well, what do you mean, go ask her about the clocks? I'm like, fine, I'll ask her about the clocks, and then all of a sudden it all kind of like just rolls into play, and it's like, okay, well, maybe then I should just be quiet. Maybe I am. I know. Well, you know, I think it's 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 really ego that that tells me, oh no, because I don't want to be wrong and I don't want to look stupid, and <laughs> and there is a part of me still that is even. I mean, in spite of all of the things that I believe, there's still this part of me that's very firmly rooted in the skeptic that I was many years ago. Um, you know, and um, yeah. So I- yeah, and I always think, well, why would I be so special? And then I realize that I would have these abilities, and I realize, well, I'm really not everybody has them. Yes. Yeah. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's just whether you use them or not, or if you really pay attention to what's happening around you and, you know, it, it, it could be happening right in front of you. Um, you don't even know it. Like with me being a paranormal investigator and thinking, ah, I'm just Mr. Logic guy. And then as this went along and I got to this point, I was like, Oh, maybe these things were just happening. I just wasn't really, I wasn't focusing in on uh, the stuff that was, that was actually, you know, no, I know. I, I know that they were with me. I mean, I I can go back to being a kid and knowing stuff and having the prophetic, prophetic dreams and and that type of thing. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's all a, very odd. How about you, Cheryl? You feel psychic? She had a prophetic dream occasionally, uh-huh. very rarely, but uh, yeah, like like you guys were talking about. I think everybody has psychic abilities to some level some are Mm -hmm. are buried and other people Mm -hmm. have accessed that part of themselves that yeah and they're more prevalent yeah Yeah, i've had some interesting things happen but yeah that's true well it's true because it's just like when they say well you know you have to exercise that muscle yeah you know or you gotta you know, the more you practice with it, the more you you get you get more proficient with it and stuff too. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and you guys were talking about manifesting earlier, and I yes. was listening to Dr. Wayne Dyer earlier. Wishes fulfilled. Uh, um, yeah. It's a book, but he also did a um, PBS presentation a while back, and he basically is saying you can manifest things into your life by acting as if they already were. Yes, you act as if, and you visualize, and you affirm. Right. I, and, I changed my life with that. 
without yeah. even realizing I'd done it. I forgot all about it. And then years later, found all my affirmations I'd written. And I was like, holy shit, this is my life right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's total. it seems totally obvious, but it's, it, I don't know. It seems obvious when he explains it because, you know, when you sit there and you're like, poor me, you know, I'm, I, I don't have any money. I'm sick. But that's creating a I situation where you have no money. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm saying. You, you, if you get into that mindset of, I, you know, I'm sick, I don't have any money, I was treated unfairly, you know, this, this, that's all going to be attracted, you're going to be attracting that stuff. Whereas if you're like, you know, I have well-being, I am happy, I'm, you know, fit, physically fit, I, you know, whatever it is, you're, whatever you want. If you're, if you say that affirmation, you know, every night before you, you go to bed, you're going to track that or whatever. You're going to you track that. You also have to take action, but affirming yes. and visualizing yes, you do. spurs you to action. I mean, I can't sit here and say, I'm rich, yeah. I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich while shopping and never working. <laughs> yeah, that's you not know, work. So, so you, you, there's, there's thought, yeah. there's, there's thoughts, there's beliefs, and there's actions. Mm -hmm. And all of those things come together in manifestation. So I don't want people to think that we're saying, and I certainly don't want somebody who like has breast cancer or something say, think, well, oh my God, I created this myself because that's, it's not about yeah. blame. It's about no, 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 no. finding ways to create the life that you want. Right. That's, I'm glad you touched on that because that's exactly that's right. Things happen that are that are that are bad that are not good. Yeah, I mean that's mm -hmm. that's part of life. But if we want to try and change those things, there are steps that we can take. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say when people say, "Hey, you know, positive positive actions bring positive results," it's kind of the same thing in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's very important to understand that it's not just affirmation. And not only that, it has to be consistent. So I, I used to be involved with a guy who would um, do the I'm rich affirmations and then his actions were the exact opposite. Yeah. Or, you know, and, and he, ne he never understood how he could, you know, live in a van down by the river kind of thing, you know, because. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, that sounds kind of comfy living in a van. No, no, no. That's the Chris Farley character. I'm living in a van down by the river, the motivational speaker guy. Yes. Yeah. That sounds kind of homey. But, but yes, one of the things I, I always worry about, because I do talk a lot about the power of affirmation, and I, and, and, um, I do believe that they're very powerful, but I also believe that you have to put um, emotion into it. You have to put action into it. And you also have to make sure that, if you're managing to manifest really good things in your life, that's really great. And it's really hard to do because our thoughts go all over the place. Oh, yeah. But that that I see people who think, hey, I've manifested all this good stuff in my life. And then they look at people who are having a tough time and they think, oh, it's all your fault, you loser, that you're doing that. And it's just, it's a very unkind and unfair way to look at it because stuff happens. Yeah. You know? Yep, it does, you know. It's a constant battle. It doesn't have to be, but yeah. No. I mean, you know, what I always decide is that when something happens in my life, I decide who I want to be in relationship to it. Mm -hmm. And those hard, the biggest hardships in life give you are also the greatest opportunities to choose who you want to be in relation to that. And so far, I've always managed to choose to be happy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes work. 
Well, yeah, because I mean, I, I, I don't know. To me, I, I think life does have ups and downs. I think there are ups and yeah. downs. Yeah, I mean, you can't control everything, but, but you that's can control opportunity. Right, yeah, right. But you can control yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm just saying. Sometimes it's, it's sometimes it's hard. You know, sometimes. Yeah. You know, and and in sometimes those, we are humans. Yeah, and in those instances of challenges, look at them. This is gonna. I don't want this to sound like it's probably gonna sound, but look at them as learning experiences, and as they're happening for a reason. You can actually take yeah. something out of something terrible yeah. and horrible, and take something that ends up being good. And that's why. That's why they're opportunities. Right. Absolutely. You know, I was thinking about that um, the other day because I had like a dream about somebody that I, I had had a lot of trouble with. And I started to think, what would my life be if that person hadn't been in my life? Because, I mean, I was mad at this person and have been for many, many years. And I started to think about it and I thought, I would still be working at a job I hated. I would have never met and married Jim. I would have never, ever um, met and married Tanner's dad, so I wouldn't have Tanner. So this person who I have all this eh, to which I don't anymore, I realized that this person played a role in almost every one of the wonderful things that came into my life through their douchey actions. So it was an opportunity. It's true. Good but it's sure hard it. to see it in yeah, the moment. It is. <laughs> Uh, yes, I can attest to that. <laughs> it is. Because I'm in the moment right now. My life is a moment. I yeah. know, but my mother says I'm a Pollyanna because I always look for the silver lining and the you know the good and everything, and and it kind of drives her nuts. Um, it's okay, but, but no, it's who I am. No, but it's good because I'm connected to you, and that helps me. So no, it's good. It's good. You just keep right on doing that. All right. Plowing right, plowing right along with that because it helps me out. Okay, well, so yes, do we need you are my much? friend, so you know I like to help. Oh, you. I love you too, Karen. Okay, so what what are we doing as far as like uh, we have lots of cool two guests you're talking about and two weeks yeah, off, two and weeks. then we have come back with like a thousand awesome guests, right? Oh yeah, we got. We're going to be talking with a psychic lawyer, Mark Anthony, when we come back. We're going to be talking some Queen Mary and San Diego Ghost Research with Nicole Strickland. Uh, Jack Kenna's going to come back and talk about some cool paranormal stuff. And then we're going to have uh, guests on talking about UFO spacecraft identification, talking about out-of-body experiences, talking about um, being mystic and, and also um, how a psychic medium can help in criminal cases or has helped in crim criminal cases, all sorts of fun stuff. We are going to be expanding your minds until they're blown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right, so uh, we're off the next two weeks, which brings us back on what date, Cheryl? Yes, we will return on the 30th of July. That's right. So you guys enjoy the rest of your July. Uh, you know, like I say, if you miss us, you can you can look up the on-demand shows on paranormalunderground.net under the radio tab. Well, they could also just find me on Facebook and talk to me. That's okay. Yeah, too. that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What or, else? Or, you can, or, you know, if what you else? talk to Karen, you could do the Twitter you could do the Twitter. With I Karen. am not good at the Twitter. <laughs> She's good at the Facebook, but not the Twitter. I'm good at the Facebook and I'm good at the Google, but the Twitter just sort of. <laughs> what, what, why is there a thought in front of everything? <laughs> so I want to know. The Twitter, the Google, the Facebook. Because it's hilarious. <laughs> okay. I agree. It is funny. <laughs> it is funny because 
I don't know. Because that's the, that's the way my mother talks so about it. So you be the Karen, and I'll be the Chucky e. G, and she'll that's be the right. Cheryl. That's right. That's right. So it is right. now time. I'm so sad that we won't talk to you for the next two weeks, folks, but you know where to find us. Mm-hmm. Um, so come back in two weeks, end of July at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, other times in the flyover states. Thank you for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. We're outie for a couple of weeks. Good night. Good night. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Radio in the Dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.